Welcome to Dodgers Daily. I'm Casey Porter. So glad that you decided to tune in. Hey, it is Monday. That means it's time for our Monday mailbag. Austin Brubaker joins as he does each and every Monday. So Austin, welcome on in. Looking forward to today's show on Monday. Yeah, good morning. Yep, no doubt about it. Okay, so a great weekend of action in the Dodgers system. Before we get into the mailbag, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the action over over this past weekend, but hey, the Friday you had Lance Lynn, you had his start, he gave up four runs. Saturday, Julio Urias gave up the six. And then Sunday, you had the very good start by Gavin Stone. Controversial, some don't think the Doc should have sent him back out after he'd already completed the six innings. But your overall thoughts on the action this weekend before we get into the mailbag. A lot of action, a lot of action to digest. Uh, there's just a lot that we saw f- over this weekend. We saw some of the pitchers struggle a little bit, particularly with the home run ball. Uh, but then you saw also the offense be able to carry uh, them. The combination of Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman. We can't overstated enough just how great this combination is for this offense. Uh, Mookie Betts right now is looking like he very well could be the MVP for the National League this season. Uh, a lot to digest, a lot to be a little, maybe perhaps a little bit concerned about, uh, but there's still a lot of stuff to like about this Dodgers team. Yeah, no doubt about it. When you talk about Mookie Betts, he has hits in 30 of his last 31 games. In his last seven games, he's hitting 600. In his last 15 games, he's hitting 542. In his last 30 games, 435. This is Major League Pitching. You're not supposed to be able to do that to Major League Pitching. Yeah, and to do to do this, to have his offensive component combined with the value he has defensively, he is right now one of the most, if not the most valuable players in the National League. Uh, it was kind of early, kind of determined that, okay, Ronald Acuna is going to kind of run away with this MVP race. Right now, if we look at Fangraph's war, Mookie Betts has one more war than Ronald Acuna does which is a huge difference if you look at it war perspective. He has 7.3. Acuna has 6.2. Mookie Betts has a, also has a 173 WRC+. plus. Just puts it into perspective just how great he has been. Obviously, we saw a few days ago his 5-for-5 five five performance. Um, and then his return to Boston, just some of the excitement that was there and him being able to perform. You can't say enough about that guy. Mm -hmm. Of course, Lance Lynn, he had been just absolutely dynamic and awesome for the Dodgers since he had come on over. But he gives up the four runs, and then Julio Urias has the rough outing Saturday. Any concerns there? Uh, Not necessarily. Um, I think there might be a little bit of concern with him being being given up the long ball. I think that's kind of the biggest concern to his game if he's going to give up a couple home runs, especially if he – some runners on that can make a huge difference as far as his game uh but i think with this i think we just have to be a little bit patient with him we kind of saw him have a couple of really good outings with the dodgers not giving up some of those home runs be able to be extremely effective this one i think this week um this weekend particularly dodgers struggled kind of overall giving up some home runs uh, could have to, a little bit to do with Fenway being yeah. a little bit more uh, hitter friendly. Um, I think there might be a little bit concerned with that. Not overly, at least right now for me. I think you hit the nail on the head. Even with Gavin Stone and his performance, if you're not at Fenway, if you're just at, at you know Dodger Stadium, 
he may not give up but one run the whole day. So I think the Fenway deal, that ballpark is smaller. I think it's cool. You know, some Dodgers fans I heard complaining about the size of it. It's not a real park and all that. I love the Wrigley Fields. I love the Fenway Parks because to me, in a day and age where we're we're just so focused on what's happening right now with all the information and the data and analysis and all of this and the statistics, I think it's great to kind of go back in time and it makes you really kind of think about the history of baseball. Yeah, not just the history of baseball. It also adds a unique perspective to baseball, having all of these ball cars mm-hmm. with different dimension, dimensions, That's, different yeah. aspects to it. That just makes going to a lot of these places, watching a lot of these places on TV, that much more fun. So I think it's frustrating because it kind of hurt the Dodgers pitching this week. Um, but I think if we kind of look at the grand scheme of baseball, I think it's something that we can all appreciate it for what it is. Yep. So uh, over the weekend, the Dodgers win two out of three. What did you think about Gavin Stone's six innings yesterday? Of course, he came out for the seventh inning. We'll get into that in our mailbag here in a minute. But what did you think of his performance? Yeah, I think if you, I think if you talk about those first five innings that he went through, um, man, I'm extremely proud of that kid. He's put in a ton of work. We saw last year, he minor league pitcher of the year, just completely dominant. This year, much more of a struggle for him. Um, but I think he's grinded. I think he's worked on some of his craft. I think this has been good for him to experience some of this struggle, to be able to kind of grind and go through, uh, work through kind of his repertoire, work through kind of what makes him really good. And to see him go into Fenway and be able to put on a really good performance, Really happy for that kid. No doubt about it. Emmett Sheehan had his first start at the Chickasaw Bricktown Ballpark on Saturday. Went a little bit sideways on him. I actually had a chance to talk to him for about five, maybe ten minutes yesterday as he was doing all of his running and all that. Before the game, I interviewed Bryson Brigman and Kyle Hurt while I was waiting on them to come out. Emmett Sheehan came out and talked to him for a minute. So, hey, that was cool, but... But uh, he's in Oklahoma City, had his first start again, like didn't go exactly the way he wanted to. But that tends to happen in the PCL from time to time. It's a very hitter-friendly league. You know that as well as anybody. So no concerns there whatsoever for Emmett Sheehan. And then we'll get into this here in a minute. But Nick Frasso made his very first AAA start yesterday. Very successful. Yeah, a, a lot of good action. The Do- Man, the Dodgers have a lot of pitching talent down on the farm that's going to be coming up very shortly. There's there's a lot to be excited about, a lot of fresh arms coming up, which is going to help the Dodgers uh, pitching staff. All right, Austin, you ready to get to our mailbag? I sure am. All right, Dodgers fans, it's Monday. That means it's time for our Monday mailbag. We're going to answer five questions that were sent to us over the week. So, hey, let's get into it. You ready, Austin? Yes, I am. Okay, question number one. Did the Dodgers leave this weekend with more questions than they did answers? That's a good question because they did win two out of three. But, hey, a lot of it is going to come down to pitching, whether they can win a World Series, which this series this year is World Series or bust, like it is every year for the Dodgers. So, hey, great question. Do the Dodgers leave this weekend with more questions than they did answers? Uh, that yeah, That's a really good question. Um, I would say I would say no for me, only because I, I try to 
look a little bit more at big picture trends as opposed to kind of some weekend trends. I think we saw some of the struggles with some of the pre some of the pitching this week. Um, I think that might just be kind of a weekend thing. It might be kind of a bad start. Boston, you can throw it up to a couple of different things. I've just seen kind of the overall momentum that the Dodgers have had, uh, even pitching wise with a lot of the guys that have struggled this week. Um, I think they have shown in the past recently, too, that they can be effective pitchers. They can be uh, just really good. And then I also look at some of the offensive performances uh, that have been really good, really positive. Um, I don't necessarily have all the same questions just because I think all of this will kind of work itself out. I think Mm -hmm. they'll be able to adjust as they move closer to the season. Uh, Some concerns but I think you still kind of have some answers to a lot of those questions. Yeah, the one answer or one question that I've had all year is who is going to be that shutdown ace in the postseason whenever you face the other team's number one. You're needing to win game one or if you're needing to win game three or game five. It's your ace versus the other team's ace. Is your ace going to be better than theirs? I do think the Dodgers left this weekend with that question still looming out there of course Clayton Kershaw had the good start to his last start before the rain started opening up in Cleveland so right now I think if everybody was fresh and you started and you went year one versus the other teams one I think that guy would be Clayton Kershaw at this point so I do think there were some some major concerns you leave this weekend with it looked like Julio Urias was trending in the right direction as far as Pitching like that true ace, and then he has the, the the performance that goes sideways. And then Lance Lynn's a guy that, hey, he looked like he was going to be one of your top three. He's had the long ball issues throughout, you know, this entire season. But he's pitched very well, so that kind of makes you go, huh. You know, I mean, obviously it's one start, so you don't want to put more into that. But I do think there were some questions that – that arose this weekend, and when I talk about that, I'm talking about big picture, like, hey, to win a World Series. Not, we know the Dodgers are going to make the playoffs at this point. I mean, there's just the, the percentages are wildly in their favor. They're going to win the division, and probably by quite a bit. That's that's not the, the, the question I have. The question is, how do you match up in the playoffs to win the World Series? So I think there is some concern coming out of that from a number one pitcher's perspective. Okay, should the – okay, so mailbag – Question number two, should Major League Baseball institute the automatic balls and strike system immediately? We saw the Max Muncy deal. I I had, man, Max Muncy, I thought, and Dave Roberts handled that exactly perfectly. Um, They had every right to be upset. Yeah, no, that is that's a that's a really good question, because I think there we've seen this kind of a lot through a lot of umpires especially we have more information we have more data we can kind of see when some of the umpires get some of these calls incorrectly unlike what we have had in the past with major league baseball i think there's some serious concern and i think we want major league baseball to be played right we want their we want the calls to be right so then the winner that is decided on the fear the field is the winner and they've won it fair and square um, I think that I think that's a really good question. I think there's I think Major League Baseball is still trying to work out some of the kinks as far as how exactly that would work. We've seen it in minor leagues. They work through different ways of implementing this. I know that there's challenge system that they have working out in some of the minor leagues right now. Um, 
I don't necessarily know if the infrastructure is there to set everything up to make sure everything is proper and effective right before the postseason. Obviously, you don't want things to go wildly incorrectly. I think that's the direction that Major League Baseball will go within the next couple of seasons. Uh, I just don't know if it will be all set up, ready to go with the runway that they have right now leading into the postseason. Yeah, zero percent chance they're going to do anything about it this year. That's, I mean, it, it's it's the automatic balls and strike system for this year has been too small. It was too big last year. I mean, if you followed the ABS last year, they were called, that that thing was calling pitches that was six inches off the plate, below the guy's knees, and the hitter would just walk off and just kind of go, okay, well, whatever. And the hitter and the catcher and the pitcher. Would be, I mean, the catcher would have already thrown it back to the pitcher, thinking it was a ball. Next thing you know, the umpire is calling it a strike, and it's strike three. So the ABS right now is not ready for the major league system. I will say though that I've talked to managers, I've talked to hitters, I've talked to pitchers, I've talked to every type of player that has used. You know, on on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, the minor leagues uses the ABS system, the automatic system. Then on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, they use the challenge system So the tri- at the AAA level. Mm-hmm. So they're getting a chance to see both systems, and they all, all to a man, every single one of them has said the challenge system is better. And honestly, you get a better zone because when you're talking about the top and bottom of a zone, how do you measure that for a guy? Okay, well, you can say, well, we're going to measure his body. Okay, well, how do you measure a guy's stance? Right. And then after you measure a guy's stance, how do you like one guy might get into his power L and his back knee when he finishes his finish when he finishes his swing, his power L might be, say, four inches off the plate where another guy's not quite as athletic and he's a little bit taller on the backside and his power L, say, 11 inches off the plate. So, yeah, you might get a measurement for where the guy starts. But how do you get a measurement for when the guy is actually swinging at the ball when it's crossing the plate? That's where the ABS has issues. And so that's where, from honestly, and, and this is going to sound weird, when you get a human that can be corrected by a machine from time to time, that actually gives you a more accurate strike zone overall than if you just go with the machine the entire time because the machine can't, go, can't adjust for the different stances okay so even if a guy has a different stance and swing what if he changes it with two strikes what if you know a lot of guys with two strikes they like to spread out more and make their strike zone smaller right well how do you adjust for that unless you have sensors all over the uniforms it's so you know hey the the inside outside that's a measurement the plate is 17 inches wide that's scientific that's math you can do that but the up and down there is no good way right now for a machine to be able to adjust to all the changes that hitters make through a swing and throughout an at-bat. And because of that, you know, most of the pitches that are, that are being challenged are in and out, you know, maybe a little bit up and down. But, hey, it happens fast. It's within, it's, it's within 15 seconds. The, you know, so I think the more, more accurate and more fair way right, uh, right now to do it and the way that everybody prefers is a challenge system. I can tell you this, too. I was there last night. There were six or seven challenges that last about 15 seconds apiece. 
And it's super exciting whenever the hitter or the pitcher challenges it and that thing goes up on the board. And, hey, either the hitter's right or the umpire's right. You know, there's there's no black and white between it or either the pitcher's right or the catcher's right or the umpire's right. So it actually adds a lot of excitement to the game. It's it's pretty exciting because, man, that thing goes on the board. The pitcher watches it. The hitter watches it. The umpire watches it. And then you make your final decision. So that's where I'm at on that. What are your thoughts about that, Austin? Yeah, no, I think that's really cool to kind of see them do. I think it's really smart for Major League Baseball to try both systems in the minor yeah. league and kind of get a feel for what's working right now for a lot of these players and to hear that basically there's universal agreement that the challenge system seems to be better. And I think your explanation for kind of the stances, the difference in stances, and also the variance of heights that they have, yeah. there's still some work that needs to be had with a lot of these systems, which if you kind of put that into Major League Baseball right now, there's a little bit of those issues that haven't been worked out. And there still could be some frustrations, especially because you're taking out those frustrations on a machine as opposed to uh, an umpire or somebody. Uh, so I think there, I think with that, I think the challenge system from what everything that you've said from everything that I've heard as well has been just really well received and can add some excitement. So I wouldn't be surprised if that comes into major league baseball, even before the automatic balls mm-hmm. and strikes, if they work out some of these additional issues that you mentioned previously. Also, if a major league umpire, which, Hey, in the minor leagues, they're shuffling just like the players are. So there's a lot of different umpires you deal with in the major leagues. It's the same umpires over and over and over. Right. If they know that there's a challenge system that can prove them wrong in front of the world and there's nothing they can say about it, then these major league umpires will start getting almost every ball strike call correct. Other than the ones that are so, you know, just just minutely right or wrong that maybe even the machine's probably not even right on it as well. So I, I love the challenge system. I think it's really cool. I think, you know, when people see it with their own eyes, they're going to go, hey, this is really cool too, but we'll see. Okay, so mailbag question number three. Gavin Stone, he had the great start yesterday, obviously gives up the two runs as he entered the seventh inning. The pitch count was low. Do you think Dave Roberts should have put – Gavin Stone back out there for his seventh inning of work yesterday. Yeah, that's a that's a really good question because I think there's there's two different ways that you can look at it. You can look at it as okay, his pitch count is low. He's going out there, giving him a chance to prove himself, to challenge himself. But you also want to make sure that you're allowing Gavin to feel comfortable with what he's able to do and be able to build confidence off of this. And I think with his innings of work that he had going into that additional inning, um, I think he had a lot of that confidence and perhaps he wasn't even expecting to go back out there getting into the later innings of the games. Um, and then he gets back out there, obviously doesn't go quite as well during that last inning of work that he was working at. Um, I I would have probably kept him in the dugout, although pitch count being low, you want to kind of challenge him. I think it's easy to kind of look back and say, oh, this didn't go well. Obviously, I would make the other choice. Um, I think that was him kind of challenging him. Um, but with that, you also want to keep in mind that you want to, him to come out on a really good positive note as well. It, it's a really tough decision that you have to make as a manager. Not a tough decision for me. There was absolutely zero doubt about it, that, and I love Dave, but Gavin Stone did his job for his team. 
Mm-hmm. Six innings, two runs scored. It's at Fenway. Probably maybe not even gave up a run at Dodger Stadium. You keep him in the dugout, especially considering the type of year that Gavin Stone's had, man. Hey, this dude has battled his ass off to get back to where he's at. I've seen it in yeah. Oklahoma City, trust me. You, you saw it in Great Lakes a couple years ago, and then at the beginning of last year, Tulsa last year. Hey, he had all of his dreams in front of him. He shows up in L.A. earlier this year, and things just start unraveling on him, right? Okay, and I, I've mentioned a couple of times on – on social media, hey, this dude will be back. Don't worry about it. And he struggled mightily at the AAA level. He's refined his mix. He's continued to work. And here we are finally back on top of the mountain. He's gone six innings. Okay, and I've mentioned, hey, you got to play the big picture, right? And Dave had the luxury to play the big picture yesterday. Yesterday, sending him back out was a big picture move, meaning, hey, we can save pitching. We we can even if he gives up a run or two, we can save pitching, and that sets us up better for the Arizona the the Arizona uh, the matchups with Arizona coming up here this week. Okay, but hey, that wasn't the time to play big picture. That was the time to take your rookie and put your arm around him and say, "Great job, kid. So proud of you for the work that you put in. Have a seat. Go to the showers. Have a beer. Whatever it is that you do, and enjoy the fact that you're back on top of the mountain." That's what should have happened with Gavin Stone yesterday. I'm extremely frustrated that he got sent back out for that seventh inning in a park like like uh, Fenway, you know, with a guy like Justin Turner coming back up. You needed to protect your kid in that situation. Hey, maybe that's the prospect hugger coming out in me. And you guys know I love Dave Roberts. This is not a criticism of the job he does. This is simply a disagreement on how to handle a human being yesterday, I would have, to me, it was a no-brainer. You take him out, the velo was dropping. Gavin Stone was back on top of the mountain. You you take him out, put your arm around him again. Having said that, Gavin Stone, that's not going to hurt his confidence. He's not going to, like, go away now and think, oh, darn, any of that. But, But it just should have happened, in my opinion. Am I off there? Am I too strong? No, I don't think so at all. No, I think that's that's very reasonable take to make. Uh, and I think that's uh, honestly probably the correct take, too. Uh, he's been struggling. He's, wor- he's worked his butt off to, in order to get back. And you want him to feel good about this start because his, his outing in Boston yesterday was really, really good. Uh, those first innings that he had leading up until that final inning, um, just really, really effective, really, really dominant, mm-hmm. uh, and something that he can hate, something that he can build off of, and that's that's honestly something that I think he's going to do regardless. I think he's going to look at those uh, the work that he put in and be able to build off what he did. Um, just really yeah. disappointing that that last inning happened and he struggled, and that's kind of what we're all thinking about and talking about instead of yeah. what he did leading into that and the work that he's put in this season. I think the, to put it, sum it up in, in one sense, very, very proud of Gavin, very disappointed in Dave for that decision. That's, that's just kind of my take on it. But that's, again, that's just one decision. That doesn't mean, you know, that that's not throwing anybody under the bus. It's not throwing shade at anybody. Just saying that I disagree with that one particular decision. So, okay. Mailbag question number four, what was the most impressive thing that you saw this weekend in the minor league system? What games did you go to, Austin? So I had a chance to go to the game on Friday. I was going to – in Great Lakes. I was going to go to the game on Thursday. Was at the stadium before the storm came in. All the rain came in. All the players were sliding on the tarp as yeah. it was pouring out there. So I just got to go to the game on Friday. 
Awesome. So what was the most impressive thing that you saw this weekend in the minor league system? Yeah, so I got the chance to see a game on Friday. Uh, Robo was pitching. Just I I would just say kind of the overall pitching that the Loons have had this weekend. Uh, They've been struggling uh, a little bit over the past couple of weeks. They kind of were able to refine that, uh, and they were able to have a lot of success. Uh, I look at the start yesterday from – or I believe it was yesterday. uh, Maybe a bit was on Saturday for Jermaine Rosario – uh, oh, just yeah, re- just really, really good. Uh, just the dominance that he was able to have. Uh, he's worked. He's worked extremely hard this season, and he pitched. I don't know five innings of one or two hit baseball, uh, seven strikeouts. Just really, really good. Uh, Face the minimum. By the way, he did give up one hit in his fifth inning of work, but then Dalton Rushing erased him by throwing him out trying to steal. Yeah, no, that that was really really good. Uh, you look at a guy um, Taylor Young being able to steal his fiftieth base, uh, become I believe the third Great Lake Loons uh, in history to steal fifty bags in a season. Uh, that's been really really impressive. Uh, and then you bring up some other guys from outside of Great Lakes. Uh, I tweeted about this on Friday. Uh, just that putting into perspective just how great a guy like an Austin Gothier mm-hmm. has been. Uh, so I wasn't able to do the show on Friday, but yeah. that morning I was able to do a little bit of research. So you want me to kind of go into Absolutely. kind of what I found? 100%. Uh, yeah. So I was doing a little bit of research and I'll, I'll just kind of bring up some of his numbers right now. Uh, so, so right now he is hitting uh, 324, 444 on base percentage, 493 slugging, which is unreal. And the fact that he has a 17.8 walk percentage, 14.6 strikeout percentage, just kind of puts into perspective. He's having this level of production mm-hmm. while also walking more than he strikes out, which equates to a 157 WRC plus. And so what I thought about is, okay, who in the made in the minor leagues, I should say, has had this level of production while also walking more than he strikes out? And so I did a little bit of research. Fangraphs has a really unique tool. Uh, you're able to look back through to the 2006 season. So since 2006, do you know? And these are the categories that we're going to use. We're going to use plate appearances which we're going to set at 500. If you lower the threshold, the number of players doesn't change too drastically. Right. But 500 plate appearances, meaning a large sample size, sure. with more walks and strikeouts, and a WRC plus, weighted runs created plus, of 150 or more, meaning you're 50% better than the league average. Since 2006. Three. And we're talking about all of minor league baseball since 2006. How many players do you think have had those levels, those three categories? I would say three. It's been a little bit more than that. Uh, Since 2006, there have been only 20 players out of the however many thousands of minor league hitters that have had 500 plate appearances more walks and strikeouts, and at least a WRC plus of 150 in a season. Even if you lower the WRC plus to about 140, there have been only 36 players. 
that it fit those categories. And some of the names that are on that uh, minor leagues, guys like Carlos Santana, Mookie Betts, yeah. Marcus Simeon, Vlad Guerrero Jr., Matt Wieters, just some just putting big time in names. some big time names. Uh, and you're also talking about a very high probability big leaguer, too. You're talking about 63, 65% chance of fitting into those categories about making the major leagues, just making the major leagues. It's been even more booking at the past couple of seasons. What we're seeing with him, what we're seeing with Gator is incredibly, incredibly rare for a guy at the minor league system. And just kind of look big picture into how, into the perspective of just how rare it is, just makes you appreciate what he's been able to do this season even more. Obviously, a couple more weeks to go. We're going to have to see how the numbers finish out. I have no doubt that he's going to finish on a strong note, though. No doubt about it. Austin Gothier, the most underrated baseball player in maybe all of baseball, but certainly the minor leagues. No doubt about it. My most impressive thing over the weekend, Jermingo Rosario was extremely impressive, but Nick Frasso got to see with my own eyes yesterday and got got a good video on it on my social medias, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. You can go and watch his entire process from his heavy ball work to his long toss, to his flat work, to his bullpen, to his great pitching in the game. Got to see with my own eyes. Very, very impressive. Was, you know, hey, in the mid-night, and touch, I believe, 97 last night. So that was good. And had good length. You know, the thing about Frasso is, is he's had some injuries from here, and, from here and there. And so looking for always the length from Nick Frasso. He's been giving good length lately. Very impressive at the AAA level. I know all the people in the press box for the Oklahoma City Dodgers were thoroughly impressed with Frasso as well. So I'm going to go with over the weekend. My most impressive thing at the minor league level was Nick Frasso. Okay, mailbag question number five, and this one's going to be a little bit for both of us, but mainly for you, Austin. Dalton Rushing, okay, we've seen his struggles as of late offensively. Do those concern you at all? I'll, I'll go ahead and say this. No, they do not concern me at all. And I think you have to put into context when those struggles have happened. Uh, Dalton Rushing has been battling some injuries. He's been battling through a concussion over the past month or two. We've seen yes. what has ha- the ramifications that has had uh, with some other big league players too. You think of Anthony Rizzo, some of the struggles he had after he has the concussion. I know I was there when he there was a play where um, he was playing catcher kind of after he was dealing with this and he got slid into pretty hard. He's just been beat up a lot over the past couple of months or so uh, that I think has alluded to some of the struggles that he's been dealing with. So I think with that, you have to take into context some of the struggles he's had. But I also think that he's starting to gear up and he's starting to swing, get that swing right back. And I think you saw that over the weekend. He had several home runs, including some no doubt home runs. Uh, he had the one on Friday and that thing left the park and left the bat extremely hot uh, and just was a, a really great swing. I think you're starting to see him find that swing back, feel a little bit more comfortable. And so with that, I think if you take into context when his struggles have been, I'm not concerned with his bat at all. 
Yep, and also another couple factors. If you look at Will Smith at this time in his career, transitioning to the catcher spot, same type of, you know, as you grind down a little bit, that's a grind at the minor league level. Then if you also look at, at Dalton Rushing at Louisville, they had Henry Davis until he was a senior, so he really didn't catch every day at Louisville until his senior year, which would have been last year. So this is his very first full season as a professional to play 150, I think it's 150 games now that they play at the minor league level, plus spring training, plus all the bullpens you catch in spring training. So even without concussion issues, I think these types of of situations where catchers wear down just a touch are predictable. You know, it's been it's happened to even all-star level major league catchers consistently throughout the years including the one that we see, you know, with our beloved LA Dodgers in Will Smith. Plus, you know, hey, it was you know, it, it this is his you know, his only his first professional season to catch long grind and like I said, up until his senior year in Louisville didn't catch every day for them. So this was one of the most predictable things you could possibly have seen coming. Then you add in the concussion issues, and hey, there's absolutely zero to worry about Dalton rushing. That Actually, I've had that question asked two or three different times at this point. Had a great weekend, had home runs in three games in a row. Also threw a runner out as well, so great weekend for him. Okay, so that concludes the mailbag. Final thoughts, Austin. Yeah, I, I think we kind of covered a lot of what is on the mind with the Dodgers. Some of the questions that came out of this weekend, uh, questionable questionable decisions, questionable calls. Uh, I think what is not a question right now is the Dodgers still are in a great position for to win the NL West. I think they're setting themselves up. I think they are trying to answer and work through a whole bunch of different questions that they potentially could have working on some of the margins to refine their team to go on this postseason run that we expect from them. So I think over the next couple of weeks, you're going to see them kind of still work through some stuff. And then right now, this is the time to kind of work and try to get answers to all of these different questions that we have for the team. No doubt about it. Thanks, Austin. I appreciate you joining each and every Monday for our Monday mailbag. So now it's time to turn our attention, uh, turn our attention to the minor league system and the action over the weekend. So let's not waste any more time. Let's get right to it and let's take a trip down the farm. Got a chance to go to the beautiful Bricktown Ballpark last night in Oklahoma City for a 6.05 start. Super excited to get to see Nick Frasso. Second time I've had a chance to get video on him. Here's his process. You saw his heavy ball work. Then you saw his flat work. And then he's going to play long toss right here. Throw for about five minutes. Throw as far as he can. Then as he does that, he actually works his way back in. As he works his way back in, you see there, he starts throwing it a little bit harder. He does all of this before then he gets into the bullpen. That's Keegan Curtis in the background who had a good relief performance this weekend. He throws about 15 pitches in the bullpen before he's ready to get to his start, which last night was absolutely fantastic. Here's one more last long toss for Nick Frasso. Frasso was absolutely electric. He was 97 on the fastball. He went six innings, gave up no runs, four strikeouts, one walk, and three hits. Longest outing in terms of innings of the year for Nick Frasso, who has fought some injury this year. So looking at, you know, just the innings count, it's very good to see anytime Nick Frasso can go length 
and he was very, very good. That slider, the changeup were fantastic pitches. The fastball had a little bit extra to it last night, so it was a very fun outing to watch Nick Frasso in person last night at AAA Oklahoma City at Bricktown Ballpark. Shelby Miller was electric last night. He was 96.9 on his fastball. The spin rate got as high as 24.96. His slider had 44 inches of vertical drop to it, and he was able to throw that in the zone 60% of the time. So, hey, he was very good. You obviously matched that with a split-finger changeup pitch, and that's a really good mix he had last night of just good stuff and also in the zone. And he just was, you know, he was no match for those those isotope hitters, I should say. They had they had no answers for him in that slider, the split finger change you saw right there, and the fastball. So a very, very good outing for Shelby Miller as his rehab continues. Good to see Johnny DeLuca getting back into the swing of things. Last night, Johnny DeLuca had a good night for double or triple-A Oklahoma City. Two hits, two RBIs. Third game back since coming off the IL. We know he played very well when he was with the L.A. Dodgers, but he's getting back into the groove. And last night was a good start to get back into that. Here is one of his singles early on. It was such a hectic night last night. I did not get a lot of video of the offensive games. I got most of the pitching, but good to see Johnny DeLuca back and swinging it. Old Wardo has been hitting the baseball very well. He had two hits last night, including his fifth triple. He had two RBIs. Remember, he hit the grand slam over the weekend. So Ryan Ward, the Millbury, Massachusetts native, here's an entire at-bat of his, his first at-bat of the evening. He has three multi-hit games in his last five and two multi-hit games in a row. I love his left-handed tool. There's a good – he's able to get to that high pitch lately, like where he wasn't able to earlier in the season. So Ryan Ward had a good night last night for AAA Oklahoma City. Got a chance to see Oscar Mercado, who is playing his very first game with AAA Oklahoma City. Mercado was released by the Padres on the 21st. He was picked up Saturday by the Dodgers. Played his first game last night. That's your bit, Vivas. Had a chance to watch him and Colton Wong and Bryson Brigman, who I interviewed yesterday, take early ground balls. Really cool experience. Mercado had a great game last night. Two hits, two RBIs in his debut with AAA Oklahoma City. So we'll see what plans the the organization has for him. You know, he mentioned, hey, the tread deadline did come and go, but you can still pick up guys off of waivers that are, or guys who have been released. And that's exactly what happened with Mercado. And the next guy we're getting ready to talk about, Colton Wong. Colton Wong went three for four with three RBIs, was on base four times, and is four for eight since joining AAA Oklahoma City Saturday evening. Wong was released by the Mariners on August 3rd. He was picked up by the Dodgers on the 9th. He was sent to the complex for two games to work on some things, and now he's with AAA Oklahoma City. So Colton Wong wanted to give you a good look at him. Eustanel Diaz has been smoking hot. He had five hits yesterday on Sunday, five hits for AA Tulsa, four RBIs. I apologize for the video being a little shaky here. I did not have my tripod. There you go. I got it I got it worked out there. But four RBIs, and, hey, he's hitting 404 this month. Eustanel Diaz, OPS, 1197 so far in August. So, hey, for an, a period for the AA Tulsa Drillers that has been a little bit of a battle, Eustanel Diaz has certainly been a bright point. More live video of Emanuel Vargas, who had three hits yesterday for AA Tulsa. You know, we know Vargas is so good at getting on base, but hey, he's added power. Double number 27. He's hit some home runs this year to go with that on-base percentage. So a very underrated offensive player 
in the system. Vargas has six multi-hit games this month of August. And like I said, always good at getting on base. His on-base percentage this month is 321. Emilio Vargas. More live video from Jake Polarski, who, by the way, is back. He was injured for a while. This is, I believe, his second outing back, and it was a very good one. He went uh, he went scoreless in his one inning, had two strikeouts in his three outs, and just came off the aisle, as a matter of fact, on the 15th in getting back in the swing of things. So great job, Jake Polarski. We know that he can hit over 100. The slider is very good. So get back in the groove. Another high leverage, high velo guy that the Dodgers have in their system. How about Ben Kasparius? I have been saying for quite a while now that, hey, the results are coming for Ben Kasparius. He's been refining his mix, changing it a little bit, maximizing it, and just making it to where, you know, that's what the minor leagues are for. Let's let's tweak some things. Let's make things. We have time to not necessarily worry about the results to where we can, you know, maybe lose a couple battles to win the war. That's exactly what Ben Kasparius has been doing with his pitch mix. He has refined it. It's always been very good, but it has looked good for a while now. It's just been a couple of times a game. He's been ambushed or maybe made a mistake or two, but I I've been saying his results are coming. And how about the five innings yesterday? Three strikeouts, three hits, no runs. Ben Kasparius, great job. What an outing for him. But again, hey, this isn't necessarily any different than the way he's been throwing in the outings that the numbers didn't look like scoreless like they are. So not surprised at all to see Ben Kasparius and put up the numbers that he did yesterday. Have a day, Dalton Rushing, for high A Great Lakes. He had... He had three home runs over the weekend and home runs in three consecutive games. And he threw a guy out. We talked about him in the mailbag session. Hey, he had the concussion, you know, the long season. No worries for him. He is starting to get back in the groove. So great to see Dalton rushing do what he does, and that's hit the baseball. Good to see Damon Keith hitting the baseball again. Hey, it's been a little bit of a struggle for him as of late, but he had two hits on Sunday, including double number 20, home run number 10, 21st multi-hit game of the season for Damon Keith. So, hey, great day for him, and nothing better than to finish the season strong. So, looking for Damon Keith, the Cal Baptist alum, to finish 2023 strong. We know he can hit the baseball, good defensive player. So, good to see Damon Keith have a good day for the Loons. Taylor Young, man, I love this young guy. Leads the Loons and hits 102. He leads the Loons in stolen bases with 51. Leads the Loons and runs with 69. And it seems like every time he leads the game off with a hit, his team just seems to win every single time that happens. So, hey, you want this guy on your team. Uh, talking about Taylor Young, just a wonderful young player. Had another good game on Sunday with a couple of base hits, both infield base hits. He brings that attitude that every team needs. So Taylor Young, good day for him, having a good year. Alex Freeland had two hits for the Loons on Sunday. Three RBIs was on base three times. It was a sixth multi-hit game of August 19th of the year. So the young man out of UCF, switch hitting shortstop uh, Alex Freeland, you know, a guy that that has fought some injury this year, but ultra, ultra talented. Had another good day on Sunday, so good to see that from Alex Freeland. Yanil Choi, the 2021 Dodgers Minor League Pitcher of the Year, who did not pitch at all last year, didn't get ramped up till about a month and a half ago. 
for this season, he is squarely back in the groove of things. You know, he is very accurate. He relies on movement and great location, and he is very, very good at it. He went four innings yesterday, gave up just one run, struck out six, walked just one, gave up two, just two hits. So, Hanel Choi got the win on the mound for Great Lakes yesterday. He's four and three on the season, and he has given up just four runs in his last 14 innings. So, Hanel Choi pitching very well for Great Lakes. Lucas Webb threw a scoreless inning for Great Lakes to drop his ERA to 3.04, whipped to 1.13, and average against to just 2.06. So Lucas Webb, a young man I've talked about out of Canada, he went to UL Monroe, a little bit older, faster mover type guy because of the age. He is pitching very well for the high Great Lakes Loons. I would not be surprised if he finishes this season in Tulsa. I have no inside knowledge on that. That's just Kind of what I'm, you know, maybe a scenario to where Tulsa needs pitchers and that kind of thing. But, hey, he's earned it. Lucas Webb, ERA 304, whip 113, having a very, very good year. Christian Suarez has been fantastic for the Great Lakes Loons as of late. He had two strikeouts in his scoreless inning on Sunday. We've always known that that backdoor fastball right there, the back foot slider, the backdoor slider is fantastic. And when he's throwing strikes, he simply gets outs. He hasn't always done that consistently enough. Talking about Christian Suarez, but he has been doing it as of late. Suarez had five scoreless outings in a row. He has five scoreless outings in a row, and that spans 6.1 innings. So like I said, he has been pitching very well as of late for the Loons. Mitchell Taransky throwing very well for Great Lakes as of late. The young man out of Michigan State who finally made it back. I talk about all the time. Hadn't pitched in three years. Coming into this season, went scoreless to record his fourth hold of the year, lowered his ERA to 376, lowered his average against to 217, and Taransky has gone scoreless in six of his last seven outings. So good job, Mitchell Taransky. Michael Hobbs finished things up yesterday for the Great Lakes Loons. I love Michael Hobbs, and he is having a great year. That that big breaking ball, the big fastball up in the zone, 94 to 95. You know, not unbelievable velo, but when it's coming off of the type of slider that he throws it is a very imposing pitch for him and he has that just that dog in him to finish games the all-time saves leader at st mary's era on the year three uh the average against is just 191 57 strikeouts 45 innings and michael hobbs has gone scoreless in four outings in a row and seven of eight so great job michael hobbs it was a good game in Rancho on Sunday, although the Quakes dropped 6-5 to to the Lake Elsinore Storm to drop their record on the season to 63-57. and But for the Quakes, it was, a, it was a decent day offensively. They pounded out six hits in five runs. And on the day, Josue DePaula did not have a hit, but Theron Lorenzo had a hit. Luis Rodriguez had a hit. Jose Izada had a hit. And on the day, again, six hits for the Rancho Cucamonga Quakes. Kendall George, by the way. He got brought to Rancho over the weekend. He had two hits for Rancho. He went two for four. His average is 286 so far on the season. So it was exciting to see him get called up. And Jordan Thompson also had a hit for the Rancho Cucamonga Quakes. Jonathan Edwards, we've talked about the roller coaster for him up and down all season long. Hey, another up this time. Last time out, it was a little bit rocky. This time it's up again. Two innings scored us. He had a strikeout, two walks, gave up no hits. LaVon Reynoso, no earned runs in two innings, four strikeouts, no walks, just two hits. Calvin Bautista, he threw a scoreless inning as well, had two strikeouts, gave up two hits. And uh, he gave up two runs, but neither one of them were earned. Joely Barra, Joely Barra, he threw 
uh, 1.1 innings, and he gave up three runs, so it went a little bit sideways on him. Noah Rune, the young man who has the, the submarine delivery, he went one inning scoreless as well. And then to finish off the afternoon for the Rancho Cucamonga Quakes, Carlos Martinez came in and threw one and two-thirds innings scoreless to finish off the pitching. But again, the Rancho Cucamonga Quakes, they lose the finale this this past week on Sunday, 6-5 to the Lake Elsinore Storm to drop to 63-57. and So there you have it. There's our show for you today. It was a busy one. I hope you enjoyed the mailbag. I hope you enjoyed the coverage of everything in the system over the weekend as well. And I hope you tune in again on Wednesday. Hey, just a reminder, we are open for business. If you'd like to help Dodgers Daily by becoming a sponsor, just DM me, leave a comment, or you can email me at dodgersdaily73 at gmail.com. Again, that's dodgersdaily73 at gmail.com. Also, hey, don't forget to leave a like, leave a comment, interact with this video, share this video, and make sure your notifications are turned on. So until next time, I'd like to thank you for tuning in and say go Dodgers.